Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. I'm Stacey Martin, and I am joined by my friend Rebecca Woodman. Today, we are beginning our series on the escape room. If you guys joined us this past weekend, we launched into a series that talks about the things that trap us. And I'm here with Rebecca. She is the director of care and counseling. She's one of our ordained pastors on staff. And I told everybody last week that I am so excited about the series because I'm pretty much going to get free counseling for like the next <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can pull out of our hat for that. And, you know, I think... Going into this escape room, um, we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and yesterday was the shooting at UNC Charlotte. I know. And I, I'm repping my, I'm a, uh, my husband and I both went there, and mm. I, I don't think there is any more indication of the kingdom work that needs to be yes. done yes. than what you see there. I mean, from yes. the, the hurt of the guy, of the shooter, the pain, hurt people, hurt people, um, the pain of the families who have lost loved ones, the pain of the students, the fear, I mean, all of that are things that trap us. And so I'm excited that, you know, even though that seems that's like on a macro level hurt, Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to start touching the hurt on a micro level really today. So I'm excited. So thanks for being with me. So Rebecca is the mom of four, three (laughs) girls and a boy. Yes. And it's wild times at your house always. Yes. And the oldest girl is about to be a teenager next week. And the baby boy is a toddler. So... That's crazy town. And she doesn't drink coffee. Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) I mean, I I told Rebecca this morning, I said, I cannot believe that you don't drink coffee. I've known you for a long time. And I was racking my brain this morning (laughs) of like, okay, we've been out of the country together. We have been together early hours, late evenings, (laughs) and I've never seen you drink coffee. And now I wonder if maybe you're not as much my person as I thought you were. Oh, no. (laughs) No, you are. Socially, I will. Skinny vanilla latte at SB. That's right, but you don't need it in the morning. No, no. Well, we're really glad you're here. Well, we're just going to dive in because Rebecca has, um, you just have a wealth of knowledge. And my family, um, my maiden name is Vite. And the Vites have a long history with you, even before you were married. My sister saw Mm. you as a teenager. You were her Christian counselor. Mm. And so we have seen the benefit of Christian counseling in our family for decades. Mm. And so I... um, I'm excited that it's my turn in a non-confidential setting here. Bring it, girl. <laughs> bring it, bring it. <laughs> so one of the things that Jason talked about um, is that there are so many things that trap us. Yeah. What are those things that you think trap us? Well, it's funny because it's honestly, it's kind of hard to think of what doesn't trap us. That's probably the easier thing mm-hmm. to you know answer. But I would say that the majority of what I see, Stacey, um, anxiety, I mean, we are a culture who is scared. And I think like when I when I talk to people, one of the things I see is anxiety is honestly like at the root of a lot of it. Mm. And I would love to even, you know, I wish I could have a conversation with the shooter from UNCC yesterday. Like I, I would guess that at some level fear or mm. um, intimidation or self-esteem, like at some point that probably, I mean, that feels like that's at the root of a lot of things. And um the statistics are crazy on it too. 40 million Americans, 40 million adult Americans have um, a reported or a diagnosed anxiety. I believe it. Um, and so, you know, and the, one of the things that I see is like we begin to fear fear. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're scared of being scared. We're scared of being anxious. So we do everything in our power to try to bind that. 
which I think leads to another major area that traps us, which is addictions. Oh, yeah. And there are, you know, there are big things with addictions, like there's alcohol and there's drugs that are debilitating. But then I think even worse and probably scarier are those sneaky, like subtle addictions, mm -hmm. like workaholism, social media, you know, pornography. There are just some things that are like way more low key that you can manage your life with. Yeah, that we do to self-medicate. Yes, yeah, that's to trying to pain. bind that anxiety. Mm. You know, trying to like we're doing whatever we can to manage our lives, forgetting that ultimately control is an illusion. So we're not going to control anything um, and thank the Lord that Jesus controls it because he does a way better job than we do. Yeah. But I would also just say sadness and just this like we live with this expectation in our life of what it should be. And then we're constantly frustrated because we can't get there. Or our life doesn't look the way that we anticipated or we pictured. Um, another number that's crazy is um, I just read this recently. Four hundred and forty million people worldwide um, struggle with like a sadness or a depression. Wow. 440 million worldwide. So you think like if you were, I just thought about this, like if you were to make a little mark on the globe oh. for all those people, it would be like ding, 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 ding. It'd I be mean, everywhere. It is. So, and I, you know, I talk about this a lot with the people in my office that we, we tend to live our lives with this like around the corner mentality of like, well, whenever this happens, I'll do this. Yeah. Or whenever I get to this point, then I'll be okay. I absolutely operate like that. Really? I, that is my thing. It's like, you know what, if I just had different circumstances, yes. it would be better like almost the grass is greener on the other side yes mentality yes. I definitely do like that. once justice can actually you know use the bathroom or once Lila stops talking to me you know so sassy yeah like we are always like whenever we get here then we'll be okay once I finish reading this parenting book and have all the answers oh, yeah, yeah. it'll be better oh yeah I'm just gonna get the right message I'm gonna listen to the right podcast yes Sorry, this might not be it yes yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah this one may not be the one that turns the corner for you yeah yeah <laughs> but um so I think it's really important and then the other other thing I would say that I just personally feel so strongly about is that so many people, when we talk about anxiety, so many people be beat themselves up uh. because they believe that like they don't have enough faith or they're not trusting enough. And one of the things I want to say is that, yes, Jesus said, you know, I have come to give you peace and I have, and I'm the Prince of peace. But the, the other reality is that there are sometimes things that we just need more help with. Mm. It's not that you're not trusting the Lord. You can be trusting the Lord deeply. Like I've personally walked through seasons within the last even few years where I haven't been able to shake it. Yeah. You know, I just can't, I just, I feel like I, I have this like chronic worry about There's no, no amount of like positive self-talk or exercise or sleep or nutrition that, yeah. that flips and it I, for you. Yeah. And I, I said this with Jonathan Scott last year that I honestly feel like the church has done a disservice mm. to people by telling them like you, you are not faithful enough yeah. if you worry. And I just don't think that that's the case. I think that, you know, our father knows that we're going to struggle. You know, he says that in this life, there will be trials. Yeah. And so I just think, honestly, that's part of it. But heaven's coming, man. That's right. It's coming, baby. Well, I think that's what I appreciate so much about the care and counseling that we offer here is that you're right. I think that ch our church and other churches, I, I think that's one of the promises that we've said. Gosh, if you worry, it just means that you don't have enough faith. I know. Because Jesus has a promise, a promised abundant life. Yes. And if you can't that's grasp right. that, then it seems like maybe you're the problem. And right. that is not the truth. Right, 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 right. Well, let's talk about this abundant life thing. Okay. Because that's what 
Jesus said, Jesus says that, you know, I, this kind of life full of worry and fear and anxiety and pain, that's not what I want for you. Right. So what is it? What does he mean by abundant life? So, I mean, I, that to me, that's kind of a hard question, but I would say that he came so that we can have life to the fullest. Mm. And so, um, the word that I probably go back to with that, honestly, Stacy, is peace. Mm. You know, that that he came so that we can have a peace um, because what what scripture tells us is the same power that's in him is in us. Yeah. And I mean, that that like blows my mind. I can't even hardly put my brain. I can't. I can't. I definitely cannot put my brain around it. But I do know. And I I mean, we we know that when we are walking with the Lord and when we've made him our savior, that, you know, there are still going to be trials. It's still going to be hard. That's what we just talked about. But but there is something about having your roots go down deep that you just experience joy, mm. you know? And I, I mean, I've walked through some deep waters in my life. And one of the things I've said is that in my hardest moments, like when I'm in the deep end and my feet aren't touching, I still feel that abundant life. I still feel a joy amidst pain. And I think that that's what Christ died on the cross for us to have yeah. is like this peace and that joy that you just almost can't put words to. That's what I'm sitting here. I'm like, gosh, I don't even really know how to say. Yeah. Like what exactly is abundant life? But it's everything that God promised on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Man, I look right? forward to that. Yeah. So there are three feelings or maybe even four um, that kind of float around all of this. So we've got condemnation, yep. shame, conviction, and yep. guilt. Yeah. So let's. what is the difference between condemnation because we hear that word in scripture like there will yeah. be no more condemnation for those who are in Christ yes, Jesus. Right. So what is condemnation and then what's conviction? So this is how I would this is how I would tease it out. I believe that condemnation is from the enemy. Mm. Right? Um, and condemnation comes from a guilt um, of sin that we're unwilling to detangle ourselves from. Okay. So we feel that guilt from condemnation, but that comes from the enemy. Okay. Mm. So then, um, what was the second one? Condemnation. Conviction. Oh yeah. Well, but there was one in between. Shame. Oh yeah. So shame comes from other people. Oh. Right. So that's an external source that we feel based on our behaviors or, um, you know, our relationships, whatever. So shame is external relational. Okay. And then conviction is from the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that I say is like, people will say, well, how do I know that it's the voice of the Lord versus my own guilt or my own shame or whatever? And I'll say the thing about Jesus is that he is so pursuing of us that the knock on the door, you have to listen to the knock on the door. If the knock on the door is consistent and persistent, it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is conviction. And so it will feel like a guilt. Yeah. And I love what Jason said, which is like, hey, if there wasn't God, there wouldn't be guilt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That hit me. I thought, wow, Isn't that's that interesting. That yeah, was good. I loved that. I wrote that down. Um, but so there's a guilt. But but conviction is almost like a sweet nudge mm. from the Lord that says like, hey, I have better for you. Yeah. There's a best for you. And this isn't it. But condemnation is from that dang enemy yeah. that's saying like you stink you're never going to be good enough you've screwed up this time like there's no coming back and then that shame is like what we feel in our relationships what we feel from other people that's so interesting so I um, part of my story is that I was a very strong-willed teenager and young adult I'm and shocked di- I was shocked yeah Not. shocked because <laughs> I'm a strong-willed <laughs> opinion and adult um, but so I made a lot of decisions in relationships and some of the same decisions, not in relationships, if you get mm-hmm. my drift, um, that 
I, for a long time, had, you know, that feeling where you feel the heat from your feet come all the way up? Like, yes. it would it would feel like I would remember yes. things that I now, now in the moment I would feel guilty about what I'd done and wish I hadn't done it, but could still kind of justify yeah. my like I could kind of compartmentalize it and move it on yeah. and I would keep doing it. Yeah. But then as an adult, when I had was no longer living that lifestyle, was trying to walk in obedience with God. Mm-hmm. I wasn't running the bases with, you know, Tom, Dick or Harry. And I wish I had not chosen those names, but <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had chosen different names, but I digress. Um, Sam, John <laughs> and Michael. OK, good. Yeah, that's better. That's better. Thank you. Although that kind of. Well, anyway. You know, I would, as an adult, when I was making better decisions and, you know, was walking obediently, I would have these flashbacks of decisions I'd made and it would feel, I would feel sick. I mean, literally, I would feel the heat from my feet come all the way up. Yes. And I started praying like, God, and I don't know if this is a good prayer, but I would pray, God, give me amnesia. Mm. Like, just give me an amnesia to where I I don't remember these things because I know you don't remember them. Like, you've forgiven them. You've forgiven me of these horrible mistakes that I made, mm-hmm. but I need to stop remembering them because I cannot, this feeling, I mean, it's the same feeling. I mean, imagine when we, you send an email and you think, oh gosh, I wish I hadn't uh, sent that. Or yeah. I wish I hadn't said that. And you play it over and over in your mind. I just couldn't yeah. do that anymore. Yep. So what is that feeling? Cause it, it feels like shame, but I was putting it on myself. So is that guilt? Was it coming out of sin? I mean, I, I mean, it was coming out of Wishing I had not done, made those choices. But what you're saying is that you had asked for forgiveness from the Lord. Yeah. So your vertical relationship that you had, you had cleared that up. You yeah. had said like, you know, God, forgive me. He's like, hey, Stacy, you are clean. You are pure sister. Yeah. And then within your horizontal, I always love that it makes a sign of the cross. Uh, your horizontal relationships, you had changed your behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So you oh, had yeah. moved out of it. Yeah. So again, like I, I think that goes back to what the enemy wants to yeah. whisper in our ears. Yeah. You know, that's, that's lies because the Lord has said like, it's done. It's finished. Like I, I sent my son to the cross for that. Stacy, you're done. You're, you're good. Done. So, but I do know that that is so common too, that we just get in this place where we feel so stuck and so defeated and, um, and there's no easy cure for it, honestly, except like, God, help me, like, help me release this. God, help me see it the way that you see it. Yeah. And I will say that prayer for amnesia worked. Like yes. I prayed that I would no longer, I was laughing. I led a, a women's study in Waxhaw, um, over the fall and I alluded to, and my mom was in the room and I alluded to some of the things oh, that I had done. And I like, my hands were sweating a little bit, but it wasn't, it was just, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm going to say this in front of all these women, but it was so freeing because I was able to release it and show how God redeemed it and used it as opposed to that sickening feeling that would come from my feet all the way up again. And I say, Stacey, I mean, even in my own life, I have to constantly remind myself, I mean, here I am, like I've been in ministry almost 20 years and, you know, I'm constantly reminding people of like what God says, but you got to drink your own Kool-Aid. And so, you know, pretty much on like a daily or an every other day basis, I have to remind myself, Rebecca, you are loved. You are chosen. God is pursuing you like, and I, you know, so I just think that that's, that comes back to like, we have to be willing to like remind ourselves of the gospel, remind ourselves of truth, like preach it to ourselves. Gosh, that's so good. Right? Well, that's what Jason says that the, the resurrection changed everything and gives us hope for personal transformation. Yes. Um, 
So, and it says that like out of the resurrection, we're brand new creation. So is that the best way to start becoming a brand new creation is repeating the gospel to yourself every day? Amen. Yes, yes, yes. And believing it, I think. You know, just like what you were talking about, that sometimes when God is doing a work in us, we still see the old version. Oh, yes. You know, and God's like, hey, I see you as my child. I see you as this be- new, like brand new girl. You just like stepped out of like, you are beautiful. You mm. are my daughter. You're an heir of mine. Mm. But we're looking at like this grungy, dirty, like yucky, undeserving, undeserving version of ourselves. You know, um, one of the analogies that I always use, I read in a book one time was about your thought closet. And it's like, what are you like? You walk into your thought closet and what do you choose to put on? Mm. So like, do you choose to put on your, for me, yoga pants and grungy t-shirts or do you choose to put on like your best because God sees you dress in your best. Like he says, I have clothed you in righteousness, clothed you like, so from your head to your toe, like that's what I'm giving you. Like you are a new creation, but you have to choose to believe it. And also Mm. it's important to know that a lot of times that begins, which is a seed of faith. Yeah. You know, it just begins with a seed of faith of like, God, I don't see it and I can't feel it, but I'm going to choose to believe that you are doing something in me, Mm, that you're doing something. And I love that it just takes a seed because I think sometimes we feel like, especially if you have been, well, I really, honestly, I think if you're anybody in faith, whether you're a a new Christian or have been around a long time, that we never feel like we're doing enough, you know, and that the only people who really benefit from the Christian faith are the seasoned mature Christians who've got it all figured out. And who are those people? Well, I, I, I don't know. That's not me. <laughs> it's not me either. <laughs> I mean, I think we've created this like finish line yes, Christian yes. that has it figured out. And they're really the only ones who get to experience transformation yeah, and this abundant, abundant life. life. Yeah. yeah. Because they're checking all the boxes when really right. Jesus is over and over again. It's like this little tea tiny yes. mustard seed of faith. Yes. And, the yes. Pe- and then you see the people that, I mean, one of the most transformational stories for me in scripture was the woman at the well. Mm. Um, I mean, her story was very much my own. And to see Jesus like meet her there and pursue mm. her and recognize her and, you know, it just, and she, mm-hmm. she was, she just had this little tea tiny yes. bit of faith. Yes. Yep. It's amazing. Yep. So I talk all the time about my favorite person in scripture is Habakkuk. Oh. Like nobody ever talks about that dude ever. And he is my very favorite. Um, so if you know me, you know that I've probably been like, you need to read Habakkuk, go back to Habakkuk. But what I love about that is that Habakkuk is basically doing that. Like he's starting out and he's complaining to the Lord. He's like, why is my life still a dump? Like, why can I not get it together? I'm trying to make all these right decisions, God. And you know, all these things are still happening to me. Like I'm still living in sadness. I'm still living in anxiety. Like nothing, nothing's working. And I love the Lord's response to him. It's um, Habakkuk, watch, look and see, because I'm going to do something in you that you would never believe, even if I told you. I love it. Like, I'm going to do something in you that if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. It's so awesome, Habakkuk. So chill out. And then at the end of the book, which I know this isn't about Habakkuk, but I just love that. At the end of it, you know, if you've ever read it or if you go back and read it, you'll see that Habakkuk responds. And he's like, though the olive crop fails, you know, though the fields produce no fruit, like everything is still going wrong. But yet I will choose Keyword, yet I will choose to praise you, my Lord and Savior. I think it is remarkable that that book ends with somebody still in process. Yes, because I really do think we have a tendency to share stories about people who have figured it out or who have come on the other side, where majority of us are 
in process and yeah. will stay in process. We're like Habakkuk. Yeah, we're like yeah. Habakkuk. Yeah. Well, for those people who are like Habakkuk, who just feel like they're experiencing it over and over again, and mm-hmm. they are worried that they're never going to get out of it. They worry, mm-hmm. they're worried that there's no possibility for change. What mm-hmm. would you say to them? Because J- Jason even alluded to a quote from John Ortberg that said, mm-hmm. the possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. And then J- Jason added, until it's not. Like, mm-hmm. until we actually don't believe that the possibility of transformation is there. Mm-hmm. What would you so say to those people? I would say if you were sitting on my couch is, do you want to believe? Mm. So I would assume that if you're asking the question, you want to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And so everything, just like begins with faith, everything begins with a choice. And, you know, that seems really simple, but yet I feel like it should feel profound because it shows that we have control over, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't really, you know, control is an illusion, but we have the ability to manage whether we enter into that process. And so I say to people all the time, like, you see yourself this way. Do you want to see yourself that way? Where do you Mm want to be? What keeps you from that? You know, and I think that's where we go back to looking at our sin. Like, what is it? What kind of obstacles are we continuing to put in our lives? You know, what choices are we making that continue to keep us separate from God? Mm. You know, because he sees you as beautiful and he wants you to see yourself as that. And he he is making you a new creation. He is doing it. But, you know, don't beat yourself up that you're not over here. Um, and I, so I just I think it goes back to Stacey. Like, do we do we want to see ourselves that way? Do we want to believe? Absolutely. And if we do, then we begin to take active steps, you know, like. I mean, I don't mean for it to sound petty, but you've got to get in the word and you've got to you've got to be reading like what God says about you. Because yeah. if I just talk to you and you're just telling me like, oh, that's cool, Stacy. Like, thanks for telling me that. But like for me and I think for most people, like once you experience the Holy Spirit, like once you see it for yourself, like once it clicks, it's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't just take Jason's word. No, you can't. Yeah, you've got to take the Lord's word. Yeah, like you're loved, you're chosen, you're redeemed, you're clothed in righteousness. Well, what about those people who struggle with something done to them? Mm-hmm. So I think there's, and Jason talked about that a little bit, Yeah, that being trapped by past failures is not just our own personal past failures. Right. I mean, that's my story is personal past failures. But what about those people who it's something that was done to them? And that's I think right. that can run the gamut. I yep. mean, from abuse to just relational fallout. That's right. That's right. What does... What does restoration look like for the person that's struggling with something done to them in the past? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say that there's a sensitivity that's required because if someone has walked through abuse or abandonment or adultery, those those are very deeply rooted pains. Yeah. Um, And so you probably need somebody to walk with you in that. That's where like a place like counseling comes in. Well, Jason even said that you need to start assembling your team. And for something like that, a a counseling. Yeah. So there's a sensitivity. And I I, you know, I'm always really cautious to not manage, like I'm frustrated with my husband not taking out the trash or calling me with the wrong tone versus I'm, I'm sad because my husband has completely emotionally abandoned me. Yeah. So those two don't really go together. However, based on God's economy, forgiveness is forgiveness. Mm. And one of the things that I have said so often that I feel like the Lord is teaching me is that he didn't say that there is anything that is unforgivable. Otherwise, Jesus would have stated it before he stretched out his arms. So he said, this is for the forgiveness of all sins. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. 
Mm. That's for everything. He didn't say, but wait, there's one thing or there's two things that I can't. He said, I, you know, and the Mm. other thing I love is that, you know, it said Christ died for us even while we were sinners. I cannot get over that. Isn't that so That is so crazy to me. Like he died for us even when we were sinners. So I think that the same goes relationally that we have to handle our own hurt in it, but we get to decide whether we're going to be a victim or we're going to be a victor. Mm. You know, do I want to be a victim to what's happened to me? Do I want to live in the, you know, the betrayal and the pain of it? Or do I want to choose to understand that God has a better for me? And sometimes that means that you have to make drastic changes, but um, it's so always possible. What what can a first step look like to move forward from the worst moments of our lives? I mean, even, you know, Jason even talked about, you know, he looked at Peter and he looked at mm-hmm. the woman who was caught in adultery and then his own story. Mm-hmm. And so at some point we have to make a decision to move on from our worst moment. Yep. How do we, what's the, what's the first practical step? Yeah. So it's, it's again, like this is kind of hard, but I would say that the first thing, honestly, I go back to like, do you, do you accept it? Do you believe it? Do you choose to have faith of what he can do? Um, and a lot of times, like what I love is I get to sit with the people who are at that place. You know, um, they're saying like, I'm hurting. The sheer fact that they've requested an appointment says, yes. I don't want to be stuck here. Yes. And even pastorally, when I'm sitting with people, you know, a lot of times it's like, I'm feeling this. I don't want to feel this. I understand that God has a process for me. Let me enter into it. So do you believe first? Do you believe? Like I love in, you know, in scripture when Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. Like, what is, that's what I would ask everybody is like, what is your mat? Mm. What is like, what is the thing that you have to choose differently? What is your mat? What do you have to do? Because God says like, get up and walk. Let's go. Come on. I got something for you. Gosh. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Right. What's your mat? Like, what do you need to take up so that you Mm. can move forward? Um, And so I just, I just always would say the first step is like, you know, they always say admitting, but admitting in this case is kind of like understanding and choosing to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really not that hard. It's, I mean, we make it hard because we want to like kind of live and justify ourselves. Like we want to kind of stay in our place because we're afraid of what change would require of us, right? Yes. Like we're so afraid of that, but change is always happening. There have been times where I have thought about getting counseling, but I've thought, where would I even start? Like, Girl, come on, come sit on my couch. I'm, listen, I'm going to make an appointment right after this. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've even thought like, gosh, where would I even start? Like at what point, uh, like yeah. w- at what point in my story do I even start? Or, I mean, I am the classic avoider mm. that I, th- the pain of dealing with things is just, I would just rather just move on. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I was laughing with a friend um, today, actually, I was talking about something. I said, you know, I'm like two versions of Julia Roberts. I'm either Aaron Brockovich, where I'm like going <laughs> to burn the mother down, or I am Julia Roberts, like, girl, you look like, pretty. <laughs> or, well, I, that was another, maybe I'm three versions of Julia uh, Roberts, but, or I'm the version, I'm like the runaway bride uh, who wants to avoid, yeah, yeah. or I'm like, sleeping with the enemy where I cut my hair in the middle of the night and escape. Like I just, Mm. the pain of dealing with things or the perceived pain. I mean, I'm a classic avoider. So I, for anyone who's listening that says, yeah, that sounds fine and good for all you brave people. I am not one of those. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those that would rather just like put on my big girl pants and just move on. Like power through. And I get the question a lot of like, Rebecca, how is it going to help me to go back? 
It feels like it's going to hurt more to have to drudge up all this stuff from back here. And I always say like, hey, I'm not trying to like bring up your past hurts. What I want to do is allow you to experience the freedom that God wants for you. And scripture tells us that you must confess your sins because, you know, he is humble and just and um, and he will forgive us from all unrighteousness. Right. So that's I think that's part of it. That's where like the healthy part of going back allows you to like really be done with it. Wow. And we're products of our experiences too. That's so true. So like we want to say like, okay, I just cut that off. But unfortunately God is like, hey, the whole thing is part of your story. Like I'm weaving all of that into this beautiful yeah, tapestry. Yeah, you don't get to like cross out chapters one through five. Like it's still there. <laughs> I was born when I was 25. Yeah. <laughs> Once I was a good person. That's where it starts. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about all those people who feel like they're not worth forgiving? Mm. You know, maybe they have been someone that has really hurt someone. Somebody. Hmm. And they say, yeah, it's fine for you to say that through Jesus's righteousness, you know, all the sins yeah, are forgiven. Sounds but good. you know what? I, honestly, I, I'm not deserving of it. Hmm. I would say I would first just give them a really big hug and I would meet them with empathy and just remind them like I just if that were you, I would be like, Stacy, you know what? That's not true. Hmm. You are so loved and you are so chosen and hmm. you are so wanted. And God has a beautiful, beautiful plan for you. And, um, and then I would just go back to like, there is nothing, there is nothing that you can do that's going to separate you from God. Mm. Nothing. And sometimes it takes us making some really big steps, as I've said, to say like, gosh, I've got to turn away from this, mm. or I've got to quit this job, maybe, or I've got to leave this relationship, even though I'm scared of being alone. Oh, yeah. But there is nothing, nothing that you can do that God is going to say you're unworthy or you've missed the mark or nope, sorry, too late. You know, I your love time's that up. so much of this is rooted in our identity in Christ. Yes. And man. I think that's a really hard place to get to it is. for a lot of people. It is. It's a, it's a lifelong journey. So what are some, uh, I want to wrap us up here. Um, and I just think this has been so amazing. I could talk about this like we could just continue to talk. Right, we have lunch brought in, then dinner, and then mm-hmm. we'll just stay. I'll we'll drink my skinny vanilla latte. <laughs> That's right. You'll need caffeine after a while. <laughs> but for those people who are saying, okay, you know, I, I'm hearing all this, and yeah. it sounds like so much of what you're talking about is my identity in Christ. And the fact of the matter is, is I don't have it. Like, mm. I don't, you can say that I'm a co-heir, but what is that Whatever. really? That I'm an heir is like, what? What does any of that mean? I I don't believe it. What is the first step for somebody who is there who says, I don't want to be where I'm at, but gosh, I just don't. My identity doesn't feel like it's there. What's a good first step Mm -hmm. for people? So, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, honestly, is to invite someone else into your conversation. Good. You know, so whether that's a pastor or that's a friend or a safe person. I mean, I think that you'd be hard pressed to not be able to identify one person in your life that's walking with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, everybody can find somebody. Sure. They may not be your best friend, but you can find somebody. But I just think, you know, enter into a conversation with someone which also brings about that level of accountability to say like, Hey, Stacy, you told me that you want to start figuring out who you are. You want to, you told me that you want to start making some changes that you want to start like not feeling guilty. Like, let me Mm kind of help you with that. Mm. So you can choose anything. You can choose a counselor. You can choose a pastor. You can choose a friend. You can choose your boss. I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter who you choose, but I think that that's part of it is, you know, obviously praying, obviously reading God's word, but like, 
don't just keep it to yourself, Mm. you know, allow somebody like, and that's, you know, our trust, our horizontal trust with people is very indicative of our trust of the Lord. Oh, wow. And so once we begin to like, once we, you know, whoever it is that we invite in, you come sit on my couch and you invite me in. I always say like, like, thank you for letting Jesus into your story because he Mm. has a chair in my office, you know, so he is with you and he is hearing all this and you might not feel him, but that doesn't make him less present. Sure. So I just, I think, you know, creating other, like creating your team or, you know, building that community. Sometimes it can be a life group. But what I would say to that is that you don't need to, like, if God is trying to do something in you, don't hide behind people either. Mm. Like, don't come and always sit in the back, you know, and sneak out (laughs) right after the last song or before the last song. Let him do it. Let him do what he's going to do. Don't sit in life group and just always listen to everybody else's prayer request. Like, you got to be out there with yours because you matter enough. Like you matter to the Lord so much that he, he wants to hear from you and he wants to walk with you. And he, he knows your story and, and he thought you excited. were dying for. Yes. All man. of us. He'd not just you, not just me. Son. I'm trying to tell y'all, I only got one son and I don't love any of y'all n- enough to like let him go to the cross. So <laughs> I want to be like that. WWJD. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're, we're going to wrap up here. And one thing that we have not done on the podcast before, but I feel like it may be appropriate in the season. Mm-hmm. Would you close us in prayer? I would love I to. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that say, well, this is, gonna, this is going to um, rub them in a place or touch mm-hmm. them in a place that feels maybe a little bit more raw than when we were just unpacking the Old Testament. Okay. So I don't want to leave people hanging. Um, would, you, would you close would us in prayer? I would love to. I would love to. Thank you, Stacey. Oh, Jesus. Um, God, I... Um, I wish that I could be sitting with each person as they listen to this, Father. Um, But Lord, I am excited that you are, that you are with them right now in this moment. And God, I pray that um, even as they hear this prayer, God, that you infuse truth, Lord, of first of all, who you are and what you are capable of and Lord, what you have for them. And God, I just pray against any lie from that stupid enemy that says that we've gone too far or we're worthless or there's no, there's no fixing this, you know, that we're just not good enough. Lord, you came and you sent your son, God, so that those lies would be completely dismantled. And so, God, I pray that this may be a first step for people. I pray that they may that they may have heard for the first time that even though they're anxious, God, they're not far from you. And God, I pray that as our church walks through this series, Lord, that you would release the prisoners mm-hmm. and that you, Father, would, would show us completely and fully all that you are so that, God, our vertical relationship with you is tightened up so that our horizontal relationships with people and our spouses and our friends and our coworkers and our fellow church members are even more healthy. God, thank you that you love us so much that you keep us in that process of sanctification, that big word that means that you just love us so you keep us in process of making us more like you. Um, Jesus, I just, I want to cover every single person whose ears hear this right now, God. Would you bless them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, God, and just wash them in your righteousness so that they feel different And they know that they are fully loved by you, God. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend. Yes. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to, in this series, we are going to have your team members throughout the whole, this whole series. Mm -hmm. We're going to have somebody from Karen Counseling. I'm so very excited because your team is just 
They're amazing. They pretty much rock. They, they do rock. Next week, I'm really excited about this one. The topic is going to be freeing um, from the trap of religion, the rules mm. and rigidity of religion. And I think so many of us struggle with um, past hurts from the church or feeling like yep. there's something that we can do. So I think it's going to be powerful. So join us next week as we unpack escaping the rules and rigidity of religion. We hope you have a great week. If you have any questions, email us at info at and we'll see you next week.